Welcome to the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these longer nights that we're having and being able to get out for a run because it is a little bit lighter. And it's great to see that so many races are opening back up, including the Everyday Lions and Tech Center Great Train Race. Uh, which is only $30 for adults and $10 for kids. We have a 7K race and a 2K race, and both races will be racing the Don River Railway. So if you want to find out for more information about that, head over to www.everydaylines.org. And don't forget the carbo load function the night before, and all money raised for this We'll be going to the Tim Blair Run for Kids Foundation, and we have guest speaker Millie Clark, and a few more uh, high-profile runners will be announced down the track. So keep an eye on our Facebook page as well for that. And I started back doing some exercises, trying to get my knee right. Um, yeah, at the moment I'm not sure if they're going to work, but I've got my fingers crossed. And I think it is slightly feeling better. And hopefully I'll be back out there joining you guys for a run. I also enrolled in a coaching course, which will happen in February. It's a level two recreational course put on by Athletics Victoria. And this will be online, so I'm really looking forward to that. But to this week's guest, this week's guest is Justin Gossage, or better known as Gosso in the Devonport running community. Gosso is a bit of a local legend and a leader in this community and is well liked by many people. He's run a low three hours marathon and we talk about some of the races that he has competed in including the Bruny Island Ultra. Some of his personal struggles and about his kids and their basketball and about just why our local running community is so good. We do touch on some pretty heavy issues in this. So if this does affect you, please reach out to a friend or Lifeline on 131114. I have been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lyons Running Podcast. And here's Gosso. Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Uh, this morning, a uh, bit of an interesting podcast, this one. Uh, instead of doing it over Zoom, we're doing it face-to-face. And our guest is Justin Gossage, or better known as Gosso in the Devonport running community. Welcome to the Everyday Lions running podcast, Gosso. Good morning, Lionsy. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm really good. That's good. And how's the morning been? Um, yeah, pretty busy. Uh, work's keeping me uh, flat out at the moment. This is the peak period for us. So it's been a pretty steady morning. So good. Great. And did you want to tell the listeners what you actually do for work? Um, yeah, I work for a company called BCF. Um, a lot of people would know the, uh, the ads, the BCFing ads. Uh, I get a lot of comments about that. Um, this is our busy time of the year. I say we're an ice cream salesman. Um, because when's the, when the sun's out, everyone's camping, everyone's fishing, and everyone's boating. So it's awesome. good good time of year for us. Great, great. It's always good to be busy, isn't it? Mate, uh, I, I, to be honest, I love love my job, and I love the fact that I'm all continually on the go. 
yet um, I'm not one to stand around and when I do that's when I get myself in trouble yeah totally I uh, yeah I, I know exactly what that's like <laughs> and did you get out for a run today no, no, actually I haven't. I went for a run last night. Yep. Did a couple of tracks uh, around sawdust up here. Uh, my running at the moment's probably gone off a bit due to some injuries, um, but I've been smashing the swimming as well. So I'm trying to do a bit of cross training, yeah. um, which is keeping me invigorated. Once again, we've got good weather at the moment. It's a good time of year. Um, so getting out in the pool's been, yeah, it's been a, a really awesome experience. Great. And for anyone tuning in and, and not sure where we're actually uh, recording this podcast from, we're not far away from the Devonport Pool, so we're pretty lucky where we are. We've got tracks, and like Gosso said, we've got the pool close by, so we're very grateful and blessed to live in this area. Mate, look, honestly, I think we are more than lucky um, if, for runners, bike riders, uh, Devonport, I'm very passionate about our, our space. Um, I feel that we, we, where we live, literally, you can go 45 minutes in any direction and you're in a completely different type of country. Whether you're heading out towards Cradle Mountain, uh, Baker's Beach, um, up towards Guns Plains, there's so many diverse areas to go, whether that be for a car drive, you know, running, bike riding, whatever it be. I love it. No, mate, we're, we're, it's a perfect place to train. You know, like you said, we've got so much stuff here. And I don't think we probably realise that as runners living on the coast. No, no. And look, I've travelled a bit with work and had to go to a fair few cities around Australia. Um, and I always come back to Devonport and I feel blessed because of what we've got available to us. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. I'm the same, mate. I've done a bit of travelling and, and it's just, I think it's the ease of being able to do stuff, not being in traffic or, or not sharing it with eight me and other runners <laughs> absolutely mate absolutely yeah, cool yeah. and how did you get in the running mate how did you uh, come about great question and uh, yeah. so uh, i did a bit of running when i was a kid uh like some of us you know i was an average runner you know i'd make into high um and make the the cross country for for, for the state and running run uh good old simmons plains um but i really didn't take up running until i was about 35 so I went through a period of um, being overweight. Uh, I come off smoking and drinking. Um, and a, a good mate of mine, Martin Wood, turned around to me one day and said, hey, have you heard of Parkrun? And I went, Parkrun? What's Parkrun? He said, well, I was down the beach the other day on a Saturday morning and uh, all these people started running past. Yeah. He said, so I had a bit of an investigation. I found about this Parkrun. Why don't you come down for a run? Yeah, why not? So I, I trudged along one morning with the kids and um, loved it. And to be honest, the feeling from that day on around running, um, how welcoming the community was, um, straight off the bat, just that great sense. Um, and the feeling after finishing that 5K in, I think it was 29 minutes, yeah. uh, was sensational. So yeah, from there, um, my running grew. I got to know a lot more people in that running community, um, that especially around that park run on a Saturday morning. Um, and from there, I saw a bloke by the name of Rowan Page running the Tasmanian Roadrunners t-shirt. And so obviously the rabbit hole I was starting to fall yeah. down. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. so what's this Tassie Roadrunners? <laughs> so I jumped on Tassie Roadrunners and, and read their history and went, wow, this sounds like a great community organisation. So I joined up. Cool. Um, and that's pretty much where it started kicking off for me. 
Fantastic. And that sounds like such a familiar story that I've heard on my podcast and speaking to people in this local running community is that Parkrun has seemed to bring out all types of people. It doesn't matter what background you're from, people all come together. Yeah. It's for that hour of the day or half an hour or however long it takes you to do. Yeah. And, and with Parkrun, what I find too is, um, and this might sound but no one cares. No one cares if you're running 19 minutes. No one cares if you're running 32 minutes. Yeah. All they're wor- worried about is what they're doing, but also cheering on. So you hear the, you know, people as you go past, hey, Gosso, hey, Gosso. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. it starts to build that community. And that, that to me, I think is what really got me going. You know, there's, the running has grown exponentially for me from that first park run yeah. um, and become a huge part of my life. But I think if I didn't see that community aspect to start with, probably wouldn't have had the same resonance with me. And I think this is the difference between track and field right now yep. in Tasmania and park run. Park run has nailed it with this community feel, people feeling like it's not elitist, it yeah. doesn't have that seriousness. Yeah, you're timed, but yeah. it's also your choice if you submit your time as well. And I think that's the beauty is it's, well, you don't have to, you know, we're not going to say you have to do it. Yep. Um, and I think that's where the winning is. And hopefully we can, well, someone who's grown up doing track and field, I know that that, that we want people to come to from park under track and field. And, and they're trying to cross bridges now and they're working with park to do it, but you know, people still are, are a little bit on, on both sides. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. And someone that's probably come to the to running fairly late. So I didn't follow track and field. I didn't, apart from probably every four years where, you know, watching Shervo have a run around at the 100 metres or something like that. So it wasn't something that I've invested a lot of my life into. So coming into it later, you see it from a different point of view. And, and you're right that that track and field does seem a little bit more, uh, not necessarily serious, but a, a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, what I really think it can be harnessed, especially around Parkrun, is the younger kids. So the ones coming through there that now have a taste. So when you and I were kids, you know, going up in the 80s, mm. there was nothing like Transformers. Park- yeah. Astro yeah. Boy. Astro Boy. But there was, there was no real... Yeah. Uh, area where you could actually test out running apart from you know the school cross country yes yeah, yeah so i love seeing your young kids out on the park run course and then you're seeing them cross country or you're seeing them you know going out into the to the track and field stuff so i think that you're right that there is a bit of a crossover that can happen and in, in the next generation yeah and and hopefully it does and i think i think they are getting numbers slowly but i think it's going to be one of those things is, is convincing people that track and field is not not as uh, serious. Yes. And it's... It's breaking barriers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know the answer, but I think I think slowly they are getting some of those numbers, which is great. And and you mentioned that you made into high teams. Yeah. And you're competitive in your high school cross country. So you must have had some talent there, mate. Like, because some people turn up to cross country running or school running, they absolutely hate it. Yeah. You must have li- li- liked it on some level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look, I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I've got a passion for hurting myself. <laughs> That's good. Um, I, I found at, at high school, um, you know, grade seven, grade eight, I probably, um, you know, we're coming out of puberty, starting to get a few few extra muscles and, and starting to show a bit of, bit of I suppose, form. Um, really 
enjoyed it. I hit sort of grade nine, ten, and I think grade nine was my last hit out because by the yeah. time I was in grade ten, I was <laughs> smoking. You know, I was starting to drink. I was my, my lifestyle probably wasn't the best um, for that, and um, sports started to take a backseat. Yeah, yeah, and so from from this lifestyle that you were starting to to leave, did you do any sport at all? Was there anything that was going on during that time? Um, so growing up, I did a fair bit of martial arts. Yeah, um, back in you know back in the nineties um, through Sanchikai, um, which I enjoyed. Once again, it was more for me. It was a, an individual pursuit. So challenging myself, I've always had a mentality of trying to better myself, not chasing someone else's goals, but my own, um, and trying to, I suppose, push myself a little bit different. And that's why with my running, I've tried different things. I haven't just gone, okay, I want to PB at 10Ks and I want to continue that. I've tried to find other avenues of pushing myself a little bit harder, um, which is what, what I get the thrill out of. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. And that's the beauty of our sport is that you don't, it doesn't have to be about time. We've got trails and yeah. if you want to just do group runs and, and how lucky are we in Devonport at the moment, even, you know, even Northwest. I mean, we miss out Bernie, but we shouldn't miss out Bernie. No. But, it's, but no. it's everywhere on yeah. the coast and we are lucky. Like, yeah. I don't know, what is it, be 12, 13 group runs you can do now a week? I would say comfortably. And that's, yeah. that's ones that you see up on groups. There are other ones that you see out and about doing group runs on a Sunday morning or a Monday night and you go, you know what, some people love that group run um, yeah. in that format and even looking into it, you look at Launceston and the Launceston running buddies and all of that, they've got their own little groups that run. So there's been an expansion across Tasmania, I think, in running and we can pinpoint that back, I believe, to Park Run to a fair bit for that expansion. Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. And... You're injured at the moment, you're saying? Yeah, mate. So w what does your typical training week look like right now? You said you're mixing it up a little bit. Have, yeah. Have you got goals moving forward, though? Um, yeah, I do. I've, I've actually got a couple of big goals that I really wanted to knock off. Um, last year, I had the illustrious chance of turning 40 last year, so there was a couple of things I wanted to knock off. But yeah. unfortunately, with COVID um, and coronavirus, that obviously um, put a halt to that. Um, this at this point in time, my week would look like Mondays. I'll probably do some hills. Um, once upon a time, I'd probably smash out 10, 15 k's with that. Yeah. Um, with the injuries at the moment, I've really reduced that back to five, probably max six. Um, but I've incorporated uh, a kilometre of swimming. Great. So um, Wednesdays, similar again. I'll try and get out for an easy run. Yeah. Um, Tuesdays, Thursdays, I might try and throw a gym session in, um, and Fridays is definitely Friday Fresh. Yeah. One of the best best feelings on a Friday morning is to get out for a run with the guys and have a coffee. Cool. And um, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that so they know where oh, to go if they're tuning yeah, in? Yeah, so sure if you're on about. Friday Fresh has been something we've been running in uh, Devonport for a few years now, and uh, 5.45 on a Friday morning, we meet up at Fundamentals. Um, yes, Brian, there is a 5.45 in the morning. Um, <laughs> I go occasionally, though. <laughs> uh, so 5.45 in the morning, we start up and uh, we go 20 minutes out, 20 minutes back, um, and then coffee at Fundamentals, which is wonderful. Yeah, so. and it's a great bunch of people. Uh, the runs are very inclusive because it's 20 minutes out and 20 minutes back, and, 
and you go at your own pace and it should work out that we all come back at the same time eventually. Oh, there's a few negative yeah. splitters uh, <laughs> yeah. which we could talk about, which yeah. we know who they are. Um, it's really interesting. We're just talking about um, group runs. And one of the things I've found with COVID and coronavirus, the last 12 months has really diversified that. So there was a lot of consistency in, in people hitting the same group runs every week, uh, especially in the Devonport area. Um, but once COVID hit, there was a little bit of the networks were all there, but everyone sort of dispersed a little bit because they couldn't run together or the, the restrictions and regulations wouldn't allow it. So it's, what's really good is those people are coming back, but some of those are splintering off and having different groups. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. That just shows you that, you know, there's been a really good network foundation over the last three or four years in, in Devonport where people have made new connections yeah. Um, and they're getting out on the trails with different people they probably wouldn't have done two years ago. They're getting yeah. out for a run on a Monday with different people. I think that's awesome. That's so great. trying to find yeah. silver linings for COVID, that's probably one of them around the running community. Absolutely. I'm a personal story of that because I had my one little group and I would never mix with anyone. If it hadn't been for park run, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have met my current partner, mate. There's no way. I just, yeah. Like, we wouldn't have met. Like, it's as simple as that. So, yeah. uh, and I'm sure there'd be, like you mentioned, there'd be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 stories like that. And, Absolutely. And they're, like, they're friends now, which is awesome. Yep. It's good yeah. networking. And I've always seen you as a natural leader of people, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank yeah. You. Is this something that you've learned to do or are you – that in way inclined with people? Oh, it's a, it's a really good question. And, and introspectively, I've thought about this a lot over the years. So I think sometimes we feel that you can't be a leader when you don't show the traits, you know, oh, that person's a natural born leader, that person's a follower, whatever. Looking back, I go, absolutely, from probably an early age, I had the opportunity to, to be a leader and I've grown from that um, but I've also put a lot of work into that so personally I struggle leading in certain circumstances um, you know, I also find that um, I, I think when we talk about leaders we sometimes think about them as always being at the front we've got a lot of leaders in our community a lot of leaders that don't necessarily lead from the front um, and probably don't realise that they're actually leaders. You know, they lead by example or um, they have influence where they probably don't realise they have. Um, yeah, I could talk days about leadership because I think it's one of the, the crucial things in, in life, you know. It's interesting though, isn't it? I think sometimes you fall into leadership without realising you've taken that role on too, like you said, and people will look up to you or, or follow your lead because... Yeah. You're just really good at it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I found with you. you yeah, thank you. You're really good at it. So yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I I I don't see myself as a you know, a leader that stands out above the pack and tells people what to do. That's yeah. I've never believed in anyone that is a manager or manages or leads does an effective job if that's how they do it. Yeah. If you can put some things in place and, and it helps people, um, and, you know, we'll, we could talk about the soulmates across the northwest coast. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, Chris Dalton started soulmates in Hobart and sort of progressed and we started one up, a chapter up here on the northwest coast. 
Um, and a few people suggested that I take the lead to start with, uh, which I was more than happy to do. Um, and to me, it wasn't about telling people that, hey, you need to be a soulmate or, hey, this is how things should be done. It was about, hey, guys, this is an opportunity. Come for a run with us this day, that day. Sort of build a culture around it um, and make it so that it's inclusive. Yeah. So a good leader, if you are being a leader, you, you're trying to be inclusive. You're not trying to be the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's how I that's how I try to work at work as well. So I try to build a culture around um, the businesses that I work in or, or that I manage, yeah. um, so that people do feel that they can take control. Yeah, um, and it's not a hard and fast rule. And I think with a leader, a good leader, people shouldn't be scared to go up to that person and share their not yeah. their problems, but yeah. say, look, I think this way would work better and I think if you are a good leader you feel comfortable to go up to that person and and say and then that person will take on your well you're you're encouraging good engagement yeah yeah with whoever you're with or whoever's seeing you in that role I think the worst mistake um people can do or you know and I've done it previously is when you're a leader and you don't really take stock of what's going on around you yeah. Um, and that can sometimes, you know, bite you in the backside. Um, and it can also reduce what the value that you have to, to offer. Um, you know, sometimes we get so, um, to what I call train tracks, we get so focused on one vocal point. And I'm, I do this in my life all the time. You know, something becomes the focal point and that's my target and that's where I'm driving myself to that I forget to look out left and right and see what else is happening. Yeah. So, and that's but that's easy to do, isn't it? Because if you're passionate about something too, and and you do have that broad narrow focus, whether you want to call that sports science term, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's hard to 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 deviate off that too. Yeah, it is, and I I, I really appreciate the fact that you know you, you did see me as a bit of a leader, um, and I hope that we're starting to see others take the role and the lead down yeah well. i think we do i think you just you can tell by the people who post in the page um they're not necessarily probably wanted to do that role yeah but i someone has to it's like what i say in my training um i want to get to the point where yeah i'm i might be the head coach but i want people to pass that i want to pass that responsibility and people say if i'm not there or or if we have split groups and they do different sessions that that person can be confident enough to take the reins and say, yeah, look, this is what we're doing tonight. And, and that's really good, yeah. especially from a coach, that you're not trying to hold everything in yourself. No, so, no. Yeah, so, it's too hard. And people can't grow if you are being the, the, the guy who's holding everything in his chest or in his brain and not passing that information on. Yeah. Because you're not giving that those people a chance to, to think for themselves and to grow. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's sports or if it's business. If you if you if you're a leader or a manager that holds on to stuff and not gets everyone involved, that can be detrimental to the group. Yeah. Flips it on the other side too. If you give too much control in, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. the management <laughs> from a business point of view, if you give too much out, then it can sort of become too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Yeah. So there is a fifty fifty from that perspective. Yeah, um, but coming back to that soulmates page and you know i was very proud to have been a part of developing that um but none of that would have happened without once again park run but on the north west coast it probably wouldn't have happened without run for it either yeah because um 
Beck had started that run for a run up on a Wednesday night. Um, and those were the two catalysts that got people involved and the community to grow, which meant that there was an opportunity to have something else on the coast to share those runs and and be inclusive. So not about, you know, you are a, uh, a Tasmanian road runner, you're a soulmate, you're a, a yeah. euphoria person. It was about this is another opportunity of getting that information out for people to come together to do what we love, and that's just run. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's it's beneficial for all parties. I know on the podcast I advertise group runs and all that stuff. We should be working all together. Yeah, we're all one team. It's not it's not just one group. It's it's everyone growing the sport as one. Doesn't matter what standard you're at. It's it's getting just everyone working together. And I think, and that's what happens. That's why this is what I love Tasmanian road runners is that. They'll share everything and anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I love the fact that, we, mate, you know, we've got young guys, and I'll, I'll mention some names, you know, Bryce Chilcott. He's, yeah, it's awesome. He's such a, a an inspiration to me. And you talk about, you know, people that you can see as leaders. He doesn't stand out the front and lead as, a you know, a commanding leader, but he leads from the front. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen um, where he's grown and, but then on the on the other end of that, I've seen like Steve Warwick, who who's you know done Bruni Challenge in his seventies and is you know an absolute uh, you know a wonderful human being. So we're not limited to just one small uh, mid range of these are our runners. Ah. It's it's across demographic it's a huge yes and i love that yeah yeah, i absolutely love that yeah and i I just love seeing those in interactions yeah Yeah. and and bryce now there'd be people the kids looking up to him now he 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 wouldn't even realize that i'll tell you a little story um so i'm doing some running sessions for the devonport basketball commission so for for, um some of the underage just getting ready for this new season and i invited bryce to come down for a run so we had some senior men basketballers. We had a couple of underage, under 16, under 14, under 12. Yeah. And Bryce just come along and he's come out <laughs> for a run. Yeah. And he's absolutely blitzed him. And it's not about, about uh, you know, he's an, a sensational runner. Yeah. But the conversations afterwards were so positive. Wow, did you see that kid? He could spring. <laughs> I wish I had a run like that. Oh, my God. There were so many positives. And yeah. the young kids that hadn't, wouldn't have known Bryce from a bar of soap uh, were just in awe. Yeah. So even the comments the next week were, wow, did you see that kid last week? Bryce, he ran so well. Yeah. And, and that, you go, yeah, that shows you a bit of inspiring leadership. Not only that, it's it's a self-worth for him, and, and I'm sure that will make him feel good about himself and – yeah, it's awesome, mate. Yeah. It's, it's it's endless what what running can do for someone's life. That's right. So, yeah. which is really good, and it's not just running; it's any sport or any any activity that you have a passion for. I feel that you know that's that if you've got a passion for something, yeah, you know, and that that passion can and will change over your your life. Yeah, but if you've got a passion for something, enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, mate, I I'm. Yeah, I'm that person. I've got a passion of taking a run with it, so yeah. I can't say any more than that. But you mentioned the basketball, mate. Yep. Growing up, I lived in Lawrence Drive in Devonport. Yes. And all I did. remember, <laughs> I don't know, you might come home, I don't know, like I think you visited it a few times because you knew my older brothers as well. Yes. And I remember you hanging around with Josh Borg. Yeah. You always had a basketball in your hand. Yeah, I did. So it's always been a huge I've, part of your I've, life. A crap basketball. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, I grew up in Jared Court. So yeah, um, and if you know Devonport, Devonport, um, you've got Lawrence Drive feeds into Jared Court, and then you've got um, Hillcrest Primary School. And I remember you you're know, just stalking me, mate. Yeah, you're following me. Everywhere. That's right. So, <laughs> so literally now I live over the fence from Lindsay. Um, so I remember as a kid, yeah, always having a basketball in my hand, enjoying enjoying basketball i was never good at basketball like <clears throat> i was okay i didn't have probably the skill sets um that i see in a lot of kids these days um but i've been very blessed that my two younger kids so i've got two boys one 10 one 12 and they they love basketball so it's allowed me probably from a, an older and not to live vicariously but it's been giving me the opportunity to to actually jump back into a little bit of basketball with them so I got, uh, I was privileged to, to do some coaching with some under tens um, and some umpiring as well, which has been exciting. Right. Um, but I, I love the fact you brought that up because it's something I've never really thought about. You know, yeah, when I was a kid, I had a ball everywhere I went. Yeah, 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 you did. I, yeah. I remember. Um, my background's very similar. I loved basketball. Uh, the running was always there, but my basketball was a thing that I loved. I think it was the friendships I made out of it. I was. I wasn't very good. I was just a mate at the team. But uh, I guess my introduction was basketball from my dad because he was pretty good referee back in the day. And From what I hear, a bit more than pretty good. He did a bit of NBL stuff, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't tell you anything about it, but he was pretty good. And and, and that's great. But what's it been like uh, being able to coach kids? Because this is something that's been new to me recently. It's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Oh, it is, and yeah. I, um, I, I, I love it. So I do. I, I thoroughly enjoy. It. And you know, some people have um, a way with kids, and I love watching how different people interact in that coaching space. Um, so, but it's it's the the way the kids talk to you. At the, <laughs> yeah. at, at the end of the year, when you first meet them at the start of the season, and last year was a great example. You know, like we had COVID. Um, uh, Matt Sturzikamu asked me if I'd help him out with the under tens at Devonport, and I said, "Yeah, love to." And I didn't know most of those kids at the end, at the start of the season, and we had to deal with COVID and that whole breakdown. And then when we got them back together and started training again, you know, um, the way they interact, I interacted with them, and they interacted with me, just grew. Yeah. To to the end, I even got one of the one of the kids, Willie, gave me a um a whistle at the end of the year with. Coach Gosso on it. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's nailing it to me. Yeah, yeah. So nice. Those relationships, you know, I'll see those kids growing up in the community because I'm not planning on moving out of Devonport. So I'll see those kids grow up and, you know, see them on the court, see them out in the town. And to me, that's great. Yeah. Well, I can tell you some. So Bryce's dad. Yes. He coached me. Yes. Yeah, Mark, yes. And I'm still, still see Mark today and still remind him. And all I remember him is like an ice cream. So he was big tub of ice cream to, uh, to eat, but it was in some awesome memories. And Was that for you guys or was that for Mark? For Mark. <laughs> yeah, he just loved ice cream, mate. Uh, so they were very young yeah. at, at the time. I don't know, I suppose he would have been 19, 20, but we looked up to him. He, he was yep. just a role model. We absolutely loved him. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, and he was, yep. he was really cool as well. So, yeah. Nice. Nah, nah, cool, mate. And... And you mentioned your kids, so, so they're, they're very good at the basketball, aren't they? Um, yeah, look, they love basketball. Um, they work very hard for it. So yeah. um, my oldest, he's 
he won't do anything but basketball. Yeah. <laughs> um, which has been – it's been great for him. Um, what I've loved about basketball, especially – it wouldn't matter if it was basketball or football or cricket – but one of the things that I, I've really enjoyed seeing is the relationships growing from the kids. So I didn't do a huge amount of, uh, I suppose, apart from um, school sport when I was a kid. So it's great to see them build relationships from different towns. So, you know, they, they're playing sport in Devonport or training in Burnie, but all of a sudden they've got connections from people from Smithton and Launceston and Alveston. Um and that is really good to see. And I think that's yeah. going to be a really good development for them um, as they grow. And, you know, my, my belief is that, you know, some form of structured sport for my kids is probably going to help them grow and become, you know, better people in the long run. Because as a young age, they've had to deal with other people. They've had to deal with instructions from um, coaches that have been different. So it's not just mum and dad. Um, and I just think there's so much that they will build, you know, and I hope when they're older, you know, when they're in their 30s or 40s or when they've got kids, they, they look back on it and they appreciate the fact that they got that opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, they might not appreciate yeah, the <laughs> And, you know, they, they may expect a lot of stuff, but I, I just hope, you know, in a fair few years' time, they go yeah. back and go, you know what, that was well worth it. Oh, and that's a beauty. Beauty of sport is uh, – the introduction of, of meeting people, like you said, it, it goes back to that community spirit. And yeah, and one of the things that um, I heard um, the Tasmania head basketball coach, Mark Radford, say one day to, to some young kids, in, and they were under 12, he says, you need to be intrinsically motivated. And it, it got me. I'm like, I've never thought about this before. So yeah. I've really thought about this intrinsic motivation. So uh, from a perspective of a kid, you go, wow, that's a huge word. But if a kid is intrinsically motivated and they want to do that, mm. they will. Yeah, So absolutely. it's not mum and dad that does it, you know. So mum and dad might run you from A to B, might take you to the games, take you to, the, to your training sessions. But in the end, the kids get out of it what they put into it. Yeah. yeah. And that's no different to us as runners or, yeah. or, or, or us in general, you know. If intrinsic motivation is, is a great thing to think about. It's what is driving me. It's another thing is with them. What's in it for me? What What am I getting out of it? What What do I want? Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's uh, sport is people do sport for lots of different reasons, and 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 like you said, it's it's what you care. You know, if you put in a hundred percent, you'll get a hundred percent usually out of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and not everyone has the same motivations, and we can't look and and expect you know especially when we talk about kids we can't expect them to have that same motivation day in day out yeah um and we've got to let them you know flow and do what they want as yeah. well um so yeah i it's parenting mates one of the ones, <laughs> yeah, it's a hard thing well, but an uncle's hard enough but I'm a parent. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to the running mate mm. can you tell me about your first marathon running experience yeah absolutely so yeah. So it actually comes back to that um, when I saw Rowan Page with the Tasmanian Roadrunners um, shirt on. So honestly, never even considered running a marathon. Um, when We all say that. Yeah, <laughs> never, never considered. <laughs> yeah. Mate, like I said, I was running, when I first took up parkrun, I was like 28 minutes for 5Ks. Um, so it never even had dawned on me. But when I started investigating that Tassie Roadrunners and I joined up and started looking into it, 
and they had a thing called Make Me a Marathoner. And I read a few stories and I went, wow, I think I can do that. Like, I think that is a great challenge. And I was at that stage where um, I'd been a couple of years I hadn't been smoking. Um, the weight had started to come off. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'll give this a go. What, what's, what's the harm? So I put my entry in for Make Me a Marathoner and I was very lucky to get a golden ticket. Um, so the guys at Tassie Roadrunners organised uh, a training s- schedule for me um, and that led, I think it was 22 weeks of training beforehand, yeah, which was right. great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and come January, um, Cadbury Marathon. So I uh, absolutely shat my dax. Um, <laughs> took my whole family down there because it was, was going to be a bigger it's challenge. huge, yeah, yeah, it's massive. So um, went out to the day. Ran, uh, met a bloke by the name of Matt Fulton, who I still follow on Strava, and ran a bit with him. Um, and got to the end of it and felt very like I'd achieved something. I was yeah. pretty happy. Um, but I also went, there's more. Yeah. So, what did you more. finish in? What was your. your so, first time? my first one was 318. Oh, gee, that's a good, that's yeah. a good opener. That's yeah. A, so, that's very solid. So, really, I haven't done a full marathon training program to hit another marathon since then. Wow. So I didn't know that. I thought thought you'd done a few. I've done a few, but not not to that. Not not to a training. So, and I'll put it out there, I want to sub three and I know I can sub three. Totally, 100%. Um, Yeah. So that's the next challenge. Yeah. I sort of moved on from from that one and went into the ultras. So I did, you know, challenge myself with Bruni Island did the multi-madness day down at um, Tassie Trail Fest. Yeah. And that was where I was sort of pushing myself. But it's always been in the back of my head, I want to nail a decent PB for my my full marathon. Yeah, cool. My half. I mean, the world's going to shit. We don't know what races are coming up. Did you have a, a goal race you'd like to do that at? Or? Um, I was thinking Ross. Yeah, yeah, cool. but I think yeah. Ross lands on the same day as uh, the Great Train Race, so it does. Hey, yeah, run, yeah. Well, run, I, Ross is out. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry if Tracy's listening to this uh, this podcast today. Uh, you know, I guess it is what it is. There's so much around that time, isn't there? Oh, look, but, it, yeah. it amazes me. We compact so many running events from the start of December, early November, right through. To March, April, yeah. And because of our seasons, it gets everything. It seems like um, up until this year, every weekend there was something on during summer. So so lucky, and, and we are. But at the same time, I'm very aware of fatigue. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, especially when when I was a new runner back when you know. All I wanted to do was every event, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really valid point. It's a great point to touch on. Uh, yeah, you just can't be doing I mean, you can, but you just can't be racing everything. I guess it's... Oh, and I tried. I yeah. tried. I was <laughs> yeah. like, City, uh, how about the city? So, um, city Casino, bang, I'm in. Launceston yeah. 10, <laughs> bang, I'm in. Yeah. So I was just trying to nail every event because I was chasing that. I, and I'll be honest, it's a, I know it's a, a cliche line, but I was chasing a feeling yeah. because at the end of the race, there was this euphoria of how my body felt, how I felt. Yeah. And... You, you, that's unsustainable. It's no matter. It, it, it's no different than anything else. In the long run, it's either going to peter out, yeah. or you've got to make sure that you spread it out so you continue to get that feeling. 
Yeah. Uh, and that really hit home for me when I jumped on the line for Point to Pinnacle, um, which was the year that they diverted it. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the butterflies in my belly. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing here? And I realized I was, I'd probably tried to cram too many things. Yeah. And so it was taking away that feeling of, of being special, being something that I was striving for. It was all of a sudden just became another race. And that's what, not what I wanted with my running. I wanted when I do something to have, you know, not necessarily always to have a meaning, but I wanted to feel that little bit of butterfly. Because yeah. I, I think that if you don't get some form of butterflies, it means it probably is not as important to you as what you think. Yeah. So I say to my boys, because they'll say to me, Dad, I've got butterflies before they get on the court. And I say, that's your body telling you you're getting ready. Yeah, yeah. So, um it's being in tune to that. And then, then I realized, hey, I need to back off here and, and and probably back off and find what my challenges are. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome point. I've only just recently probably gone through this the last year. My, my motivation is probably going downhill. Yeah. Probably my focus is switched to coaching more now. But, yeah, I lost that. I was like at a race one day, don't want to do this. Yeah. Why am I doing it? And I always said once that fun's gone – it's time to step away for a while and try something new. And and it's hard because you don't want to force yourself to do that either because it's something you love, but there's nothing wrong with having a break either. Mate, I think sometimes we just continually and it becomes monotonous and that's that's when it's, like you said, it's not fun. But we're only here once. Yeah. You've got to find the love in it. So yeah, if yeah. If there's no love in it, no. you know, um, then don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like Simple you said, <laughs> your focus flips and, and it's going to flip. You, you, you're going to find ebbs and flows. And like I said before, you know, about being passion, your passions change. Yeah. Ten years ago when I was 30, I was sitting, I was in a boat fishing and I thought that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Haven't been in a boat for five years. So, yeah. you know, it does change. But Absolutely. Don't keep pushing and doing the same thing if it's not making you happy. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. And you've been quite open and honest about being sober yep. on social media for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. And personally, I just want to say you're one of my role models, mate. I really look up to you. And I know when shit hit the fan for me, I've always reached out for you because you've you've listened to me and I think that's what I've respected most about you. But did you want to tell me all about this and – yeah, look, to be honest, um, you know, I've, I've been very open about um, my, my issues with alcohol um, for a couple of reasons. One, one of them is selfish. One of them is um, it's helped me keep me motivated. Um, one of it's probably also it's a little bit of a makes me feel good to hear people like to hear the story. But I'm very blessed with um, my wife, Kelly, um, about, well, what are we now? So I think I'm coming up to 2000, so I'm coming up to eight years, seven, yeah. eight years um, sober. Um, and, and I'll be open and honest, I, my drinking was a major factor in my life for about 20 years. So there's no doubt about that. Um, it masked probably anxiety and depression, um, but it also created someone I didn't like a lot. So... I found when I finally decided to quit, um, 
with the support of my wife, Kel, um, which I couldn't be, you know, I would never have been able to do it without her. Um, I, I, I was a, it was a snap. I know it's yeah. stupid. It was a snap. So uh, I can tell, I can, I know when I had my last drink and I know the reason why I gave up and I still remember the conversation that I said to Kel, I need help. Um, yeah. And I meant it. Like I've said it before and I've said it previously and, you know, I would sort of peter out. Um, yeah. When I realised I was never going to drink again was um, I was away with some friends in Melbourne and uh, they were on a, a piss trip. So they were absolutely going to get smashed all weekend. And the first place we stopped was at Dan Murphy's. Yeah. And I walked into Dan Murphy's and I could feel that I wanted to get something to drink. And my mate looked at me and he goes, you okay? I said, actually, yeah, I am. And I walked out of that Dan Murphy's and I have never wanted to have a drink in again. So, you know, um, there's points that I remember that, yeah. that led me to where I am. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could have done it without um, giving up cigarettes on the same day. And I, I, and I seriously don't think I could have done it if I hadn't seen a doctor and said, I need help. Yeah. And, and, and I say that openly and honestly all the time. Um, I celebrate that day, my sobriety day, probably more than anything else because it was a new chapter for me. Um, did it change who I was? No. No, I still have a short temper. I still can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> I, I can still be obnoxious. I can still be everything. It wasn't as if I became a brand new person, but it was the day I decided I wanted to be a better person. Yeah. And I still battle that wanting to be a better person every day. Yeah. And I'm very lucky I've got Kel who puts me in the line sometimes. <laughs> pull your head in. <laughs> First of all, mate, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And we all need a good woman. There's, so if you're listening, thank you all those good women out there. I'm very lucky. That, uh, <laughs> I think we're coming up to 21 years this year. So Awesome, mate. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, my rock. Yeah. Yep. And we do talk about a rock bottom. Yep. For you, was there another point where you woke up one morning and um, shit it has hit the fan? You go. Not, not so much. I'd had a few issues there was a lot of instances that I had caused disruptions in people's lives. Yeah. There was times where I had caused arguments that weren't necessary. Um, and I lost, uh, I especially lost one good mate that I know. Um, and that hurt um, because of my drinking. Um, my aha moment, I like to call it an aha moment, was one, it was two aha moments. One was I woke up one morning getting ready for work and Kel said, is that how many beers you drank last night? I said, yep. And I counted them and it was 17. Yeah. And I had no hangover, no ill effect. I was just getting ready for work and I just went, that's not normal. Yeah. The second aha moment I had was I used to have an internal dialogue where I'd say to myself, I'm not going to drink today and I'd already lost. Yeah, it sounds stupid, but no, it doesn't sound stupid to me. I'd have an internal dialogue, and it would normally be at work at ten or eleven o'clock in the morning, and I'd say, "I'm not going to have a drink tonight." Yeah, and I knew I'd lost the battle. Yeah, so, and I, I wasn't a drinker in regards to uh, I'd get completely shit faced, and um, I would go out on benders for days. That was never, I was never that sort of drinker. But I couldn't handle life without having a drink in my hand. 
So I, I could have, you know, six beers of a night and that wouldn't be enough. So um, it'd be 10 to 12. So once you started, you couldn't stop. Yeah, it was, you know, we'd have a liquor cabinet and the, yeah, it would be always fairly empty. Um, and even to the point where, you know, I struggle um, socially in some environments and some people go, oh, but you, you, you talk and, yeah, I, I can talk to a group in front of me and I can talk one-on-one, but I always struggled socially going to parties or to social events and I'd always have to have something in my system before I went. This yeah. sounds very similar to my story. Yeah. I had a lot of anxiety. I, I would always feel at ease if I had yeah. a drink in my hand. It made things that, I mean, ambitions went out the door, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it took the edge off. So, yeah. um, but do you know what? I, I think I've got a better um, social networking since I give up. I definitely got better friends in regards to um, I have better communications. And I don't put myself in a position where I feel uncomfortable anymore. Like there's sometimes where um, I I would not go into it. There's sometimes still I won't go into a social environment because I know that all it's going to do is play on my mind. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of people out there like that and talking about it's great because, you know, if we don't talk about these things, the next person who comes along that's dealing with them is going to feel like they're, they're alone. And, yeah. And they're not. They're not. There's, you know, there are so many different ways of reaching out for help, but, the thing I always say is that the first, you know, they always say about a first step. Well, no, it's not a first step. You have to want to do it yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've had, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's an addiction or, or, or if you're not intrinsically motivated to, to do something, then it's not going to work. It's not going to play out and it's not going to, it's not going to be a long-term thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Personally, <laughs> there are only issues with alcohol and yeah. Yeah. Dealt with all that crap. Uh, you can't do it for your family, like you said. You can't do it for your friends. You've got to do it for yourself. Yep. And there's going to be reasons why you're doing it. And that's my next question is how did you get sober? What worked for you? Um, so from, from my perspective, and it's one I probably still don't have the full answer for, um, social media did help me a lot. Um, and... You know, I've used social media for my own personal good feelings. So by, by me talking about it on social media, as I said before, it's a bit of a selfish thing as well. So it allows me to, to communicate that out. But also it's a bit like saying um, you're, you're talking to someone, you go, I'm going to go for a 5K run tonight. Well, as soon as you say that to someone, you've sort of said that it has to happen. So if you say it to yourself over and over, I'm going to go for a 5K run tonight, I'm going to go for a 5K run tonight, and then you get home and you've had a busy day, you go, uh, but if you've already planned that out and said to someone, hey, I'm going for a 5K run, you go, well, actually, now I've got to do it. So that's been a huge component for me um, in, in the fact of when I first started, um, you know, giving up. Um, to be honest, if I didn't have... Kelly and the kids, again, um, they, you know, I didn't do it for them. I did it for me, but they're a good grounding, you know. Yeah. Kel will kick my backside if she feels that I'm out of line, and I love that, and I love that about her, that she's, she's confident and capable and, and does all those other things that she does. Um, yeah. So that's, that's also helped. Um, I still think sometimes I fluked it, I'll be honest. Like, 
and that might sound silly, but sometimes I think I just, you know, it was the right time, right place. If if it wasn't, it probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, and the doctor helped huge. Yeah. Okay. So, so did you have medication or anything like that? Um, no, not from the point of view of giving up alcohol, but yeah. just from the point of view of being able to, to look after my own mental state. Absolutely. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, so, yeah, from all of those perspectives, um, they're my drivers. And, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out over the last few years and ask, hey, you know, it's such a role model. How did you do it? And, and the thing I always go back to them with is you've got to want to do it yourself. And I'll, I'll say it over again. You've got to want to do it yourself. Yeah. You've got to find the joy in life wherever you find it, um, but you've got to want to do it for yourself. So, um, yeah, th- that's that's pretty much how I did it. I just yeah. wanted to do it for myself. Well, that would be me. Sorry. Um, the other thing that um, I can cut it out. <laughs> the the other thing that I found too, um, Lindsay, is that you know, I said selfish in in social media, and and it is because getting those likes. Getting those people to, to, to that take the time to comment when I put, you know, hey, this is my second anniversary of sobriety um, and seeing those likes and seeing people say, congratulations, well done, you've done this, da, 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 da. That's also a bit of a, a, a tool for me to make me feel good. So that continues to spur me on a bit too. And I'm the same. Yep. I know exactly how that feels. And, yeah, maybe validation. Yeah. But it's important validation to feel good about yourself and to know you're doing it for you, yep. which is great. Yep. And you're number one, but it's nice to get that community support again. Now I'm going to flip it, mate. Yeah. So three, 365 <laughs> days just come up not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're in, God, I think it's 15 months now. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Close to 15. Yep. Yeah. And what's motivating you? I've got stuff to live for, mate. Everything goes out the window. Yeah. If I drink, everything that I've built this last year, relationships, business, my family, goes out the window. And that's all important, but it's my, it's my, my respect for me, mate. Nice. I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole when I drink. I'm a, yep. I'm a shit human. I'm a shit human anyway. Like, well, no, that's a perception that you have of yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're saying you're a shit human. <laughs> that's what you say. That's not what everyone else I, says. I, I sort of have moments of, of probably being a prick. Yeah, but and we I all don't do, like right? that. Yeah, and I hate that side of myself. I can be the biggest arsehole yeah. in the world. I know I can. <laughs> and my family will tell you I am. And that's the thing. And I still struggle today, every day. There wouldn't be a day that I don't think about it, at least for one moment of the day. Yep. But it's, it's, it's that. You've got a choice. I, I reckon you've got about a minute before you go down that track of, because it's a process, you've yep. got to walk, you've got to get to get in a car, you've got to hand money over, you've got to pick it from the, you know, you've got to bring it back. It's a whole process. Yep. So it's int- intervening before yep. anything happens. And that's that's what I've found. And what helps me is, uh, I don't know, keep him busy, do something else, ring someone, chat to someone, yep. think about what you've achieved this last year. I don't know about you. That's... They're the things that keep me sober. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And, mate, I congratulate you and you need to give yourself time and congratulate yourself too because that's an awesome effort. Thank you. Um, And like you said, we've had conversations before Mm. where you, the conversations we have now are totally different to what 
when you've tried previously. You yeah, are, yeah. You're in a different headspace. <laughs> yeah. You're in a different spot. So Absolutely. It doesn't have to go on there, but well done. Thank you. No, I will. Yeah, it's growth, mate. It's growth as yeah. humans, and, and I think you get a little bit better every time you learn. Did you think that you would still be the same person, or did you think you would there would be a change in who you were? Change in who I am, I think, yep. was key. Yep. Uh, I think I needed that lapse I had when I did have another year under the belt of being sober. I needed that to happen to realise what being sober meant to me. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Most people, some people will be listening to this and think, oh, that's not true. But it is. It is so yep. true. Yeah. Good, mate. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, people will be listening. But in the end, it's what it means to you that's the most important thing. Yeah. So if, if you find that that works for you, that's great. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I've never done anything in that, that terminology or, or anything. And, I'm, and I always say I'm not the smartest person in the room. But I, I still believe no matter what you do in life, it has to come from you and it has to be influenced to you. So yeah, no one else can. No one else can keep you no. safe and sober, mate. That's like, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Let's change up Sounds good, mate. this topic. <laughs> Done. What are some other running achievements you're really proud of? You mentioned Bruni. That's pretty massive, mate. 64K. Yeah. No, I loved it, mate. That was a brilliant one. But I'm, I'm going to um, sidetrack with the, the achievements, the, the best achievements I've had. And I said to you about challenges and challenging myself. Um, it's definitely, uh, I've done three runs with the guys from Just Like Jack, uh, a, a beautiful young boy from, by the name of Rowan um, from Deloraine and, and Jack from Just Like Jack. Um, I've had the privilege of pushing them in a couple of half marathons um, and they're tough. They're tough, you know, um, because you're in a different running formation, your arms in a different area, um, but the joy on their faces and just getting out and about with them. Uh, it's probably been the greatest achievements for me in running. So uh, I was back a couple of years ago when um, Jono had the Launceston Mara, um, did the half marathon with Jack, um, and we came second. Unreal, so, yeah. Which was was an awesome achievement. And to, to finish up and see the smile on his face um, and, you know, and, and – when I'm running with them, tell them, you know, you hope you got your red shoes on because we're about to get some, you know, we're about to go fast or put your sunscreen on, we're getting some wind burn. And the communication with those beautiful boys is awesome. So um, that and pacing are probably another great challenge. I love pacing um, yep. with the TRRs. Guys, they um, they do pacing in pretty much every major event. Um, that's a totally different challenge than trying to go for a PB because you've, if you fail – you're failing other people. You're not failing yourself. So, yeah. you know, trying to land four-minute Ks or trying to land 430Ks or 440Ks, whatever it might be, they're the awesome things that I love doing. Great. Yep. And going back on the Just Like Jack, yep. I know when I went to rehab, they said one or a few things that you can implement in your life that will make you feel better as a person is giving back yep. and showing kindness. Do you think that's all part of that for you as well? Um, no, I think that's just who I am. Yeah. And I always have been. And, um, you know, there's yes people in life and there's no people in life. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, you know. I just always look from the outside trying to give something back in a different way. 
Yeah. Um, because not necessarily to, to look good, but it makes me feel good. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there's an ulterior motive to it. So when I pace, um, it's about making myself feel good as yeah. well. So I don't think we can do anything in life if we don't see some sort of reaction in ourselves. Yeah, so, absolutely. And that's being kindness. It is. Like, yeah. It's doing something. It's giving someone a watch or dropping off something that they least expect. It does. It makes you feel yeah, it, like warm fuzzy. It's it, great. It does. Yeah. And, and it certainly does. And, you know, when I see communities like um, Just Like Jack, you know, so those guys go out and about and have built such a, a great community in trying to assist people to do something that they physically can't do, but to have the opportunity to do it. You know, I give kudos to people that, that can go out and spend their time to make sure that others in our community get an opportunity. And that, and that's what I, I love about it. So, yeah, I, I think for me, I, I'm like I said, I, I'm a bit of a yes man that I want to go out and, and appease and help people. So it's just part of who I am. Right. I wouldn't expect every single person, um, no matter if it's sport, business, to have the same mentality or same same sort of approach. But for me, that's that's just who I am. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome, mate. And um, yeah, it's great. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't physically do what I've seen you do. I couldn't physically do it. So oh, mate, that's it was, amazing. Yeah. I um I I actually set up a training to train specifically for the last one with Rowan at Ross. And I said, and I, I did less running and more weights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I come out of that, and my arms felt really good. Yeah, but my legs were absolutely. <laughs> I was like smashed. I was like absolutely oh, out of my feet. I can imagine. Awesome. And, and going back to the the pacing, I've done that a few times, and and you feel like you've got this. Well, you do have a job to do, but it's it's amazing when you see someone who wants to break a barrier and you help them. It's it's, it's something oh, else, isn't it? There was one guy I did the uh, I think it was one forty five um, marathon at uh, the half marathon. Sorry, half marathon one forty five down at um, Ross, and he came up to me at the end and he shook my hand and he said, "Thank you. I've been chasing that for five years." How good's that? And that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and another one was uh, Kel was at Bernie ten. And she was waving to me and I had the 40 and the woman next to me goes, oh, is that the 40-minute pacer? And my wife said, Kel said, yeah. And she goes, yeah, my husband's been chasing that for years. He'll never reach it. <laughs> but it just shows that, that they do something. So yeah. the pacers are giving some form of motivation to people out there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I love it, mate. And I, and that's why I say, and I think with when I landed in running at my age and also seeing the community atmosphere around Parkrun really engaged me into doing those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. cool, mate. And what does your life look like when you're not running? What does Gus has look like or doing uh, basketball? It's <laughs> literally sitting at the basketball courts at the moment. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I think one thing that – and it's a good question because I've always been someone that packs so much into my life especially the last six, seven years. Um, what does my look like, life look like? If you looked at my calendar and then you married it up to Kelly's calendar, your head would probably start to spin because we are always just go, 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 go. Um, work is a huge component of my life. Obviously, the kids are um, and kids basketball, kids sport and, and running. Um, I really don't – honestly, I look at it and go, you know what? When we went through COVID, 
there was actually some silver linings there for me because it meant that I had to slow down. I couldn't do as much as what I was doing, um, which I know a lot of people when I spoke to them said, oh, this is actually going to change how I do my life and this is going to change how I'm going to structure, I'm going to take things out of my life. And, and I sort of said the same thing to me. We sort of hit that COVID lockdown and we came out of it and I went 150 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Back to everything yeah, I was yeah. doing. Yeah. So I, honestly, if you looked at my life without running, it would probably still be just as busy with. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it's probably a, it's a mental health thing for you as well, I'd imagine. It's, it's a massive part. Oh, it's that. massive, yeah. mate. Yeah. And it is. And it's, um, you know, I, I'm very blessed in life. I've got two beautiful kids. I've got yeah. a beautiful wife. You know, life isn't easy. And life isn't easy for anyone. But no matter what we see from the outside in, you know, looking at, you know, the old saying, the grass is always greener. It's so not true. Yeah. So um, I don't sort of, probably once upon a time I used to look at someone else's life and go, geez, they've got a nice life. Well, I don't do that anymore because I yeah. know that everyone has their own struggles. Everyone has their own um, hardships. Um, and we don't know what everyone else is going through. Yeah. So it's seeking to understand. So I try. I, I'm trying to slow down. Yeah. Trying being the ultimate word. Yeah. And I've said 2021 is going to be a little bit slow. <laughs> um, but I, I have a suspicion that it's not. <laughs> no, you got to. I, I guess it's one of those things. As you get older, you want to enjoy your retirement too. So it's it's something. Yeah, that you've got a few at. years to go. Yeah, it could be a future goal, mate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Work hard, play later. Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. And you know. Like I said, I'm very blessed. I'm pretty lucky. We live in a great spot. We live in Tasmania. You know, at the moment, life's business as usual for most people in our island state. Yeah. If you go and see um, people in stadiums or people at events, it's literally like we um, it's literally like we're back to pre-COVID. So, yeah. and that's where life feels at the moment. Yeah, we should be very, very grateful. We're not, we're not other parts of Australia or Europe or America, and oh, I think sometimes absolutely. we don't realise how lucky we are, and even the fact that we can go out for a run and we can run as long as we can. Yep. Some, you know, some places in Australia can't even do that at the moment again. So no, it's, we're very lucky, mate. Yeah, very cool, mate. And one piece of advice for a newbie runner or even someone who's been at it for a long time. Oh, nice. Okay, so newbie runners and. This is a this is a crucial thing. Don't go too hard too early. I made the mistake of going in a bullet a gate, and once again, I think a lot of it's you're chasing that feeling. Oh, I've done a five k. I feel awesome. I'm going to do a five k tomorrow. You know, or you know, I'm, they don't give themselves time to build up. Especially, and I can talk around middle age runners because that's what I am. Or well, I started as a middle age runner. Um, yeah, if you are looking to start. I'll be honest, I did my first 3K in 21 minutes by myself and that was tough. Yeah. So make sure you give yourself time to build up, okay? So, you know, I went from a 29-minute park run to a 17. So, you know, you've got time to grow. But also, as a newbie, realise that you're not going to get a PB every single time you hit the track. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and I think... 
there is that progression early on and it gets people sucked in. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think, oh, I'll just keep on doing it. I'll race hard every week at Park Run. Yep. If you're listening, don't race, race hard. You're, you're better off doing it in slow increments. You'll be better off in the long run. So, so Ben Brockman had um, uh, used to put up uh, PB, consecutive PBs because they used to. Yeah, I saw yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to be chasing that, like, yeah, I've got 10 PBs, I've got 11 yeah. PBs. Um, but, yeah, your body starts to go, you know what? Yeah, you're not going to go any quicker no. at this point in time. So, yeah. so that, that that's my challenge. Um, for experienced runners, to be honest, it's all about, passion you know if you're enjoying it enjoy it i talk to a lot of people and they say you know i'm just not feeling it at the moment and that's okay it's not there shouldn't be don't ever feel that you're expected to you know be something you're not so um i went through a stage where i thought i had to be at every run you know i've got to do five runs a week i've got to do six runs a week um and that started to take away from that mental side where i was doing solo runs so you know do what you like. If yeah. you don't like seeing your pace and you don't like seeing your time, don't run with your watch. Yeah, I have to because that's who I am, and I've yeah. got to. I've got to be. Um, Yana Dan- Danny Brog says you'd run five minutes quicker over five days <laughs> if you'd stop looking at your bloody watch. Um, but that's that's because I'm data driven in that way, and I've got to know what's happening with my heart rate. But if you're one of those runners and you're, you're getting to a point where it's it's becoming a drain and you you know Strava, you're worried about what it looks like on Strava, or you're worried about what it looks like on your watch, then do it without it. Yeah. Bring back the enjoyment. Take away. You know, take away that social media if it's giving you anxiety. Take away the watch if it's not making you feel better and just go for a bloody run. Yeah, great points. And I think I I really love how you touched on don't do something because everyone else is doing it. Find what works for you. Use your strengths. If you're speedy, use the speed training. Yeah. And I use that. If you've got good endurance, work with that. Yeah, yeah, and if you're injured like me, just make sure you don't come back too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And, but you've learned, haven't you? That's what's one oh, of those things we learn every day from, yeah. from the shit we do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I first started running, I'd get injured. I'd run through it. Yeah. 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 I'm a little bit smarter now when I see, see a couple of physios and they give me some instructions and yeah. I'll listen to them rather than... <laughs> and do the exercise. If you go to the physio, do the exercise. That's right. Because they work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't want to keep you all day, mate. That's all good. But what are some role models in your life that you look up to? Yeah. Once again, it's a really good question. Um, It's about people that are aspiring or inspiring to me. So, and it can be the small things. So you're talking about role models, you know, and I don't necessarily go outside of our community. So I don't look at someone like a, um, a world leader for inspirational role modelling. Um, I look at how people at, treat each other. And, you know, there's numerous people, and, uh, you know, someone like uh, Beck DeGroote, absolutely love her dedication, how she goes about things, how she treats people, you know. There's there's people like um, uh, Bronte Halley that I, I just love the way that he treats long-distance running. And yeah. that, to me, you know, blows my mind. Um uh, there's Greg Smith, you know, a, a yeah. guy, you know, who's been around a running community forever and a day um, since Adam was a boy and, you know, gets out for a run and a chat and, you know, 
is just inspiring because he's out there doing it. So yeah. I think sometimes when we talk about role models, we look too far ahead. Um, even I love, you know, and you know, not suck on to my wife, but you know, I, I value what she does and how um, she role models for the kids in her studio for dance and, and what she does with the kids at school and, and how how she goes about what she does. Yeah. And I sit back and go, wow, you know, that's that's just unbelievable. Great. Yeah. And they're awesome people. Uh, and I could yeah. go on, you know, the, in Devonport, you know, I could just name pretty much I could bang every single runner I know in Devonport and talk about a value that I absolutely admire in them. Yeah. Okay, because there is. And, and I think sometimes – we don't give ourselves enough credit for what values we have inside us. Yeah. And uh, that might be deep and meaningful, but, you know, if um, if you scan around in your own local community and who you run with and you look at every single person there, I reckon you could find a value that you see a trait that you admire and that you go, you know what, I love that about that person. Yeah. Um, and you might not even know that person. And that's that's the thing that gets me is when someone reaches out to you that you don't even know and they say something about something they see in you and you go, wow, that that's an impact. So yeah. I, I think people need to just just give themselves a little bit of credit sometimes. Absolutely. It's that, it's like that key exercise. I've done it a few times and uh, you have to write down something about someone you like. Yep. And it's really hard to write it about yourself. Yeah. But then when other people do it, they've got this endless list. And I think just seeing that can go a long way. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I know a lot of people in the running community have a lot of running role models, uh, but they um, there's also role models in everyone's work life, in everyone's day-to-day life and their families. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's a great – I love that because – you, you're right. Some people say have said a few things to me that I don't see, but also it's about balance. Yeah. So it's, it's about getting that balance around it. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Some best banter. Yes. Running group. Oh, who's up there, mate? So I love listening to a couple of people. I love listening to to Mackley, Natasha Mackley, and Hayden Appleby. Uh, Hayden Appleby. Oh my God, you have to read that. <laughs> Hayden Bishop on a Friday morning. The banter is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, um, Benno, Ben Brockman and Bronnie Halley all the time. So <laughs> yep. They, they go to each other, um, I think is wonderful. Um, I love some of, some of the banter that goes around, um, around the social media guys. Um, however, I, I, to be honest, I, I rather listening to the guys that are just getting into conversations. So, you know, there's great banter and, I'm not a good banterer, I'll be honest. I'm pretty shit at it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just that I overstepped the mark or if I don't know. If no, I'll send you back, you go, right? <laughs> I can give some people some shit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's those connections. That's, yeah. that's great. Cool. And it's separate. Yeah. You know, you know, there are – but they come together at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, you see those people. Um, the, the worst thing, I think, in any community – is when you start to get division, um, but it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if it's a workplace, if it's yeah. a community base, whatever. It's it's how you deal with that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but best banter. Yeah, I'd have to give it to those four. Just listening to them, <laughs> yeah. they, they all talk some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> closing out today, mate. Yeah, mate. So we've mentioned some values. Yep. But 
I really like this one. Is there some mantras you live by or a saying or something? I see a tattoo there. Is there, is there something that that's really stands out to you Then you go, this is who I am, this is this is what I live by? Uh, yeah, there are a few. I, I, I believe in values, core values. So um, my workplace actually 10 years ago brought out ones, which was passion, openness, integrity, care, and discipline. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and I look at those and go, they all interlink. If, if we're not passionate, you don't have discipline. No, you don't care. If you don't care, you don't have integrity. So I, I look at those five core values and say, you know what, that's, that's part of who I am and that, that are things that get me going. So I've been able to incorporate that in how I live. Um, I don't have a mantra as such. Um, all I can say is that I just want to be a better person than I, than I am. And, and that's hard because you know you're going to fail and I fail a lot um, and I know I do and, and just trying to chip away at being a better person, I think um, that grounds me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me realise that, you know, those five values are things that I do hold dear. So how can I, how can I improve? And that, that's, that's my journey full stop, mate. It's just yeah. trying to be a better person. I've, like I said, I know I've failed a lot, but we, you know, and there's a lot of sayings out there, you know, you've got to fail a thousand times before you succeed. And that's hard, but it's the ones that are closest to you know who you are. They're the ones that are the ones that are going to build you up. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're your closest friends and, and the people who, yeah, it's great to get Facebook lights, but the ones that you know you can oh, message or will message you when the fan yep. Yep. hits it. Absolutely. She gets a fan, I should yep. say. Yeah. But, and I think sometimes we don't think of it, but I look at social media as my, my glory book, my book that has all my good memories. It doesn't. It's not a true representation of who I am. Yeah. As a, as a snippet of who I am. Yeah. But, and it's for, like anyone else, as I said, you know, we all have our fallacies and we all have our struggles and our hardships. Um, so social media is great to get that out and, and keep the good memories going. And that's how I look at a social media post. Yeah. Um, whereas the stuff that really hits home, your you close ones, no. So Absolutely. You know, that's, you know, family first is family first. Awesome. Listeners, this has been Justin Gossage or Gosso. I've been Brian Lyons, your host. This is the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. Thank you, Gosso. You're welcome, mate. Cheers, mate. Listeners, that was Justin Gossage. And I think you'd agree that that was a pretty enlightening podcast. And I appreciate Gosso for being so open and honest. And I'd like to wish him all the best with any future endeavours or goals he has. And I'm sure he'll break that three hours very soon in the mirror. If this did bring up some issues for you, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. Or please reach out to a family member or close friend uh, because those thoughts are not worth it. Also, if you did enjoy this podcast, can you please leave us a ratings on iTunes because we'll go up in our little topic of running and more people will find out about the podcast. Also, each month this podcast does cost 
uh, amount of money to produce. So if you would like to give us a donation, you can also do that on www.everydaylions.org and then look for the Everyday Lions running podcast tab and you can make a one-off contribution or donate every month and I would really love for some of you to do that if you are enjoying the podcast because it does cost a little bit of money to produce. Until next time, I've been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lions Running Podcast, and happy running.